0: Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveller podcast, part of the Informed Traveller radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveller. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So this past week, I took a little local trip to Heritage Park here in Calgary. It's Canada's largest living history museum, and it has a new area that they've opened up recently called Prospect Ridge, showcasing Alberta's natural resources. And I got a chance to tour the area last week and sit down with Jim Heaton, who is with Public Programming at Heritage Park, to learn all about it. So we'll play that conversation for you later in the podcast. For our hotel segment this week, we'll head to Newfoundland, home to the Fogo Island Inn, which just recently reopened. So we'll get caught up on what's new there. And while I was at Heritage Park, which is now fully open for the summer, by the way, I also sat down with Barb Monroe. She is the communications manager with Heritage Park to get caught up on what's new and talk about the park in general. So to start things out... Here is that conversation for you now. We are sitting at the uh, entrance of the mine, yes. the brand new uh, area of Heritage Park. Yes. Just touch on that briefly before we get into yes. other stuff.
1: Welcome to Prospect Ridge. So this is our new area of the park that we just opened up this summer. This has been a work in progress for years. And actually this area existed here at the park back in the sixties when Heritage Park first opened. And we were so excited to finally have it reopen Honestly, on a hot day, the mine is the coolest place that you can come because <laughs> it is nice and dark and cool in here. But the second nicest place to be on a hot day would be on the SS Moy out on yes. the water. Yes. Also back this year.
0: Yeah. So let's get into that. Um, just to explain briefly. Obviously, the last 16 months hasn't been uh, good for anybody in the travel hospitality uh, industry. So uh, you're probably suffering the same way a lot of people were.
1: Yeah. It's been a challenge. Uh, we were lucky to be somewhat open last summer it was a it was a slow gradual opening and then you know come fall things were looking pretty good and we were running some of our events we we launched a new Christmas market last year which was very successful we were just about to start up once upon a Christmas and then we had to shut everything down again Mm -hmm. but um we're happy to be back and open and we are 100% fully open now We've got this new area. We've got the boat in the water this year. Our steam train is running. We have our midway rides running. Our wagons. Our exhibits are open. Our restaurants are open. (laughs) Welcome back to Heritage Park. Yeah, it must be
0: very (laughs) exciting. Everyone's just, you know, just so excited to be back doing things again, I'm sure, right?
1: Yeah, and I think Calgarians, you know, Heritage Park has been a part of so many people's lives for so long. And generations of families have made this part of their... Your annual summer tradition or Christmas tradition and I think people are just so excited to have this space back and we have 127 acres here so there's so much room to just spread out mm-hmm. and you know it's relaxing, you hear the train, the boat, the water, it's peaceful, you can bring a picnic, lots of space, just a great place to come and escape
0: today as we say well and we're kind of assuming that a lot of people already know about Heritage Park because you know if you're from Calgary you're kind of used to it but what about someone who's never been and going hey well I've I've never I've never been here what's the best way to to come and enjoy the day here
1: I would give yourself a full day Mm -hmm. because we are 127 acres We go into depth in um, Western Canada's history, from the 1860s all the way up really to the 1950s. We have little areas of the park that focus on different areas. So you can really spend a whole day here, and it's fun. You're you're learning about history, but you're making those connections from the past to to current day. Mm -hmm. And you're having fun while you're doing it. You're riding an antique steam train. You're on top of an antique Ferris wheel. You're in a, a candy store. That's a you know original building that was built in 1900. There's horses here. There's farm animals here. You know you've got this cool dark mysterious coal mine that you can walk into <laughs> now. So it's a lot of fun. It's an immersive experience. You're you're learning about you know our our history is young here, but it's really an interesting history. Um, we have a First Nations encampment. So you you've got first nations and metis stories and culture and history here as well so just a great place to come and spend a day
0: well you can learn so much like you're su- it's surprising how much you really don't know about our history when you come to a place like this and go wow i didn't know that
1: exactly right
0: do you, do you find that with uh, a lot of your guests uh, the feedback you
1: get from them Yeah, I think, you know, especially with European guests, they go, oh, well, the house I was born in was built in 1650. (laughs) Yes, our history is not that old, but it's a really interesting history. And I think guests are surprised at how authentic our stories are here and how immersive and how in-depth we can go and then they're
0: having a good time while they're here as well. -hmm. And uh, talk about, you you mentioned the candy store, there's a bakery, there's an ice cream shop, there's a a full-service restaurant, so you can get as much or as little as you want. That's right,
1: right. we've got everything from mini donuts to a beautiful (laughs) prime rib dinner at the Selkirk restaurant. Uh, We've also just finished a restoration and renovation of our Wainwright Hotel, which is right on the corner of Main and Front Street and it is a beautiful old hotel and it is now still even more beautiful old hotel where you can come and have lunch you can sit in the saloon and grab a bite to eat Uh, come in the winter for a sunday brunch so very excited to have just reopened that this year as well
0: Mm -hmm. nice anything i missed
1: we've got a, a civic election happening at the park this year so if you're a local calgarian and you Want to come to Heritage Park a couple times throughout the summer? You can take part in our ongoing election. You can even vote. Which is, it's kind of fun, and, and everybody is participating throughout the whole park. So you'll see election signs on lawns and in the windows, and there's debates happening on the street. It's lots
0: of fun. Barb Monroe is communications manager with Heritage Park. Lots of fun things to come and see and do. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, the Fogo Island Inn in Newfoundland recently reopened its doors after being closed due to the COVID pandemic. It's a unique structure that is a huge part of the community. And here now to tell us more about the Fogo Island Inn is Amanda Decker-Penton. She is the Director of Guest Experience for the Fogo Island Inn. Hi, Amanda.
2: Hi, Randy.
0: Tell me what life has been like for the hotel industry in the last year and a half for uh, for you in Newfoundland.
2: Mm, well, it's been rough, like the rest uh, of the country and the rest of the world, I'm sure. We've all suffered the same. Uh, yeah, it's been rough. I mean, we are um, in a rural community, and our inn uh, is set up as a community based business model. So, really, what that means is our inn is a revenue generator that brings money back into our uh, foundation, which is Shorefast. Mm hmm. And that foundation uh, distributes money back into our community in terms in in ways like programming, um, restoration, and buildings. Uh, you know, really creating economic resilience here on Fogo Island. So uh, for us, I would say it was a little bit different because we didn't just have to shutter short- our business. I mean, we laid off people who uh, were members of this community. And we couldn't operate and therefore could not bring money back into the community in terms of these programs. So we missed out on a lot in these mm-hmm. 15 months.
0: Yeah, well, you're hurting, everybody's hurting, I would imagine, right?
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: So hopefully there's good times ahead. Uh, you've reopened. It must be very exciting. Everyone must be just <laughs> bouncing off the walls.
2: It, uh, it is very exciting. I had to tamper with the guests that first arrived, you know, when people arrived on July 2nd. I had to say, you know, your first guest arriving. Uh, You know, everyone's a little bit excited, so have some patience (laughs) because you're going to get the full on of sixteen months of people who love to look after people, and you're going to get it all tonight. So, (laughs) yeah, it was it's really fun, and uh, I mean, we have a booming fishery here on Fogwellen as well, so boats are going in and out the harbour, and the inn is open. People are moving, and it's, it's really magical. Mm-hmm.
0: So give me a, geog- a geography lesson here of where the Fogo Island Inn is and how you get there and what the area is like.
2: Okay, so you're in Alberta, where I spent a lot of my uh, my life as a nurse, actually, in northern Alberta, and loved every minute of it. So I'll tell you, from where you are, you can fly direct to Gander or direct to St. John's in Newfoundland. Uh, And then there's an hour drive from the Gander International Airport to a ferry terminal. And then you take a ferry ride over to us. We're a little island off the coast of Newfoundland. We're off the northeast coast of Newfoundland, right in the Labrador Current. So we are Iceberg Alley. So you take your one-hour ferry ride across to us on the little island. And then there's about a 15-minute drive from where the ferry lands to where the inn is.
0: So it's, it's quite like an, an adventure car. just getting there, then.
2: It, it is a bit of an adventure. <laughs> and, I, and I like to call it an adventure, too, because, I mean, any travel on the East Coast is, is an adventure. Like, you run into people and you, your experience starts when you leave the door. Experience starts on the airplane sometimes, meeting people from Newfoundland who are coming back home. And, you know, it's all, it's all a great experience. We also have a small uh, airstrip here on the island. Um, and you can fly direct to that as well. Some small planes can land directly on that.
0: I think it'd be fun to take the ferry. So I kind of interrupted you there. Uh, So once I get off the ferry, tell me more.
2: So there's a 15-minute drive from the ferry terminal, where the ferry lands, to where the inn is. And the inn is located on a piece of land we call the back western shore. And, I mean, you can see it on the website. The pictures can can tell you a little bit, but you really have to experience to know really how close you are to nature. You know, it's like a big hand just came and placed this building right on the land. <laughs> and so much respect for the land here. And um, and we, you know, we're in between two communities, the community of Bard Island and the community of Jobax Island. We have 11 small communities on this small island. And we're about 21 kilometers long in terms of how big this island is. So, uh, you know, we're very in tune with the communities as well.
0: And your website is ca. by the way. A, a unique arch- architectural design, though. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a, a building qu- quite like it.
2: Yeah, it really is. And it's a uh, contemporary design. And, of course, our architect was Todd Sanders, who is a Newfoundlander. And we uh, this building really, you know, once you come to Newfoundland and you, you spend time in the communities of Newfoundland, you start to see the things that connect this building to our heritage. So we have fishing stages, you know, where we process fish. And if you look at the inn and the stilts underneath, you really feel the connection uh, to to how we did build buildings to last hundreds of years in our past. So it, it fits, and it's a wooden building. And, of course, as Newfoundlanders, uh, we knew how to work with wood. We built our houses out of wood. We built our furniture out of wood. We built our boats out of wood. It's how we made a living. So it all really uh, fits together, even though it looks a bit foreign. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, give me some background on how long you've been part of the community now. And uh, what, what's a stay like for two or three nights?
2: Well... Uh, We have been open now for nine years. Uh, It took three years to build the building, of course, um, sourcing locally, as much locally as possible, and um, sourcing from uh, traditional trading partners in the world and uh, and places that had labour laws and environmental laws. So we're very conscious in our our sourcing and our purchasing. So it took us a while to build. Um, We've been operating in the community for nine years. And a day in the life of a guest here, I think, is just arriving. And it, it's a lot to take in. I mean, you are, uh, it, it's almost like being in a different world. I, I i was born here, grew up here, lived here, and, of course, lived away for a while as well. And It it is magical. It is like being on a different planet sometimes. <laughs> so by the time you take in all of this natural surroundings is a lot. The building is a lot to take in. And then you meet um, people from the community, and we are very connected, and we call it our community host program. And it's a program where we've committed to pair our guests with members of the community. So we'll say, okay, you know, um, Joe arrives, and we're going to pair Joe up with Roy, because Roy is a retired school teacher and he used to be a fisherman, and we think that they get along really fine. So we connect the two of them and then Roy really shows Joe around the island <laughs> and helps Joe get his bearings and understand where he is, understand our history with fish, um, talk about how we have a modern fishery and how we were able to survive in Outport, Newfoundland and really kind of helps people arrive. So I love to have guests to always take part in our community host program. And of course, we have lots of uh, ocean activities. Uh, we have boat, boat trips that you know can take to out fishing, also to visit a little island that was an original settlement where people lived off the coast of Fogo Island, let alone off the coast of Newfoundland, double off the coast, and, and really just kind of immerse you in the place.
0: Well, it sounds like such a unique stay and a un- unique visit. Uh, tell me more about just some of the, uh, like the, like the rooms and, and what you offer as far as amenities and those types of things.
2: Yeah, so we really treat the inn like a big house where we have people over. We have 29 rooms at the inn. And really, uh, it's scale. You know, it's a small island and it's small communities. And uh, and we always like to say we can only love about 60 people at the same time. So we try and keep it at, you know, at that uh, level. We have 29 rooms. We um, have a sauna. We have hot tubs on the roof. All of our rooms face the ocean and they have full on opening windows. Uh, lots of luxuries. Everything is made out of natural materials wood, wool. You know, it's, it's a very um, calming place to be, I would say. You're only in touch with natural materials. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I would imagine food is a big part of your, your stay there as well, would it not be?
2: Yeah, food is a whole other story.
1: We, can
2: go <laughs> on with. So we, we forage for food as well. Uh, We use food um, contemporarily in a traditional way. So our food ways are really about um, using things that are very local to us, hyper-local. You know, we grow all of our food here. Most of our food is grown here. Uh, Fish is a big part of our food program. You know, you can catch fish and and bring it back and we can eat that same fish. So it's, it's, um, it's very local.
0: Sounds like such a unique stay and such a great way to learn about the uh, Newfoundland way of life. You wouldn't make me kiss a cod, would you?
2: No, we usually don't. We'll make you <laughs> love
0: the cod, but we won't make you kiss it. <laughs> Amanda Decker Peltel is the director of guest experience for the Fogo Island Inn. You can find lots of information on their website, fogoislandinn.ca. It was fun chatting with you, Amanda. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Randy. <laughs>
0: Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast this past week, I took a little local trip to Heritage Park in Calgary. It's Canada's largest living history museum. And they have a new area that they've opened up called Prospect Ridge. And that's where I got to take a tour and learn more about it from Jim Heaton. He is with Public Programming with Heritage Park. So I sat down with him and here's that conversation now.
3: Oh, no, good afternoon. Welcome to the... uh Elbow Valley coal mine.
0: Yes, this is very interesting. We did a little brief little walk through here But this is a brand new area for Heritage Park this year, isn't
3: it? It is. It's Prospect Ridge All of the items have been here for almost since the beginning of the park like the coal mine we're in now uh, A lot of people come in and say, oh, I remember running through that as a kid (laughs) So we don't want you to run through anymore because we've made it a lot more uh, A lot more of an experience than just a tunnel in the side of the hill.
0: Mm hmm so talk about from the beginning of where someone would walk through and see what they would, and tell us what they would see, what they are going to experience, and what the whole time period is, and, and what you're trying to get the people to learn, get people to learn here.
3: So it's the early 1900s, it's a natural resources area, and when you first come up you'll come across the Elbow Valley Coal Mine Office, and we ask everyone as you would if you're going into a mining area to check in at the mine office, that's so we know who's on site. So we'll ask you to check in at the mine office. The mine officer up there will tell you a little bit of the administration of the building. And the mine offices were very important to the community because um, a lot of these communities, the miners were were the heart and soul of of the whole community. They were the baseball team. They were the the church leaders. They were were the folks that that participated in all aspects of the community. So you come into there and then you come on down the hill. It's a very steep little hill. (laughs) But when you come down, you get the most beautiful view of the reservoir and the mountains from there and you come across a new water wheel. Now the water wheel had been here 20 years ago, but it was dismantled because it fell apart. I think it was about to roll into the reservoir before they took it
0: out. <laughs> so yeah, and you can might be able to hear the water wheel in the background. How important was mining back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s for Alberta and Western Canada?
3: Well, it was part of the whole industrial revolution selling the West. And the, it was the railways who established a lot of the mines. Like there's an abandoned one up on the road to Lake Minnewanka. There's a set of stairs there called the Stairway to Heaven. And that was the Roman Catholic Church that got moved into Banff. But that whole area of Bankhead up there mm-hmm. and Anthracite was what they brought in. So, because all, it was all steam powered. Think about it. All the trains were steam powered. Everything that brought people out to the west was all run by coal. Mm-hmm. So Crows Nest Past area around here, there was a... Uh, it was mining up, up the uh, old Grand Valley Highway up west of Cochrane there as well. Uh, so many mines in there. And this one represents one from the Drumheller area. And if you drive through that area, you'll see that dark coal scene. I've done that.
0: It's amazing.
3: Yeah. So yeah. that's what this is, is. This is one of those coal scenes that you would see on the side of the face of the mountain.
0: And so we are sitting in the entrance of um, the replica of a mine, and, and yeah. it's a it's a cool little tour. But you have a sort of little display when you walk through here. What explain well, that? Well, a that's
3: a where bit. the miners are working. <laughs> We've got a miner in here <laughs> every day, and he's in there, getting, working on the coal face, and uh, showing you what life would be like in the in the heart of the mine, with we're literally lit only by lanterns in here. There's no. Uh, there's no overhead lighting. It's strictly lanterns in here. Yeah. And there's a lantern behind the one thing that uh, the one coal cart that lights up a face there that you can see where they've got it working. They're working a coal mine down here. <laughs>
0: what was life like for a miner back then? Well, it was very dark. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and and you uh, worked with a lot of horses. They had pit ponies down there that would uh, when you come through our mine you'll hear the pony mm-hmm, in the yeah. background. I think you heard that. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people ask why they had such a big lunch bucket. And I always like to tell the kids, why do you think I have this big lunch bucket down here? And it's because they might get trapped down, down there for two or three days. So they have to have enough food for themselves for two or three days. Wow.
0: Yeah. And, well, there's even, well, the whole story of the canary in the coal mine, you have that here too. You have, that you have too. a canary here too. <laughs> as long as the bird's singing, you're okay. Well, as long as
3: the bird's chirping, <laughs> you're chirping. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all good. And, and when you come into the coal mine, you're given a little gold tag. And you go into the mine office and you ex- and uh, you get a lantern and, and they, you exchange your gold tag. So when you work with the coal mine, you get that gold tag, you give it to the to the mine office, they give you your lantern for the day. You have a partner that comes in with you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when you're finished your shift, if that gold tag isn't back up and uh, given to you in the lantern, it's still on the wall. You'll see some right here above us here. Yeah, some yeah. Tags here. Yeah. So if that tag is still up, those are the people who are still in the mine.
0: So that's how they knew that there was someone down there yeah, still? Yeah,
3: that they, they... It was like your ID card. Yeah. So it's like your driver's license. You give them that tag and you oh, say, that, that number, uh, number eight is Randy. He's yeah. still down the line today.
0: So. so we better make sure that we don't... Don't Forget close about up him.
3: the mine before, before he gets out of there for the day.
0: Yeah, and this is just one part of it. Uh, once you do the, the, the mine tour, there you can go further down the pathway along the reservoir here. So tell us more yeah. about that. Well, you walk
3: along, it's a nature trail that's down there. It's a beautiful trail all along there. And when you get to the end of it, you come across a small amphitheater where we could do storytelling and stuff different days of the week and the Warden's cabin. The Warden's cabin is something that's been here since day one. It's, uh, it, it has been off limits for a number of years because it needs to be rebuilt, but has uh-huh. been rebuilt. And the wardens were a very integral part of the whole park system that we have, that we all enjoy today. When the Banff Park system and that first started up, um, people would go in and they just, oh, take advantage. they cut down trees for firewood and be killing animals for their uh-huh. skins and their fur or whatever. And and um, the government said, we, we need to get some people in there. So they brought wardens out here who were kind of the monitors for the park. They made sure that everything was safe. But what they also did was they drew pictures and watercolors of all the flora and fauna so that it could go back to Ottawa and they could keep a record of what was out here. Because they had no idea what, Interesting. what uh, vegetation was out here.
0: Yeah. Okay, and now continuing our tour, you actually go up further uh, along up a pathway. Like
3: you come across that and you come across a road building shed. Mm-hmm. And What that is is a collection of, of uh, the road building equipment that was all pulled by horses. So all the roads that were built in the area at the time, all the equipment for that is in there, road graders and and plows and everything like that. Then you come across the Dingwin Well. The Dingman Well is an iconic piece of Heritage Park. It's something that you see as soon as you come in and you can see it from across the reservoir Mm -hmm. when you're out cycling or whatever. And it's a replica of the original Dingman Well. And we do drill there every day. We haven't struck oil yet. We struck water and then we have to stop.
0: (laughs) And then, so and then the, actually, it's, it's, it's kind of a loop tour, you end it up back at the beginning, It is a loop right? tour, you end yep. up
3: back at the beginning, and mm-hmm. um, there's all kinds of different equipment out there, that uh, the narrow-gauge railways and stuff that were used in the different mining operations, so we have a full collection of mining equipment here from all around Alberta.
0: Interesting, and now you have a, a newer area that's going to be opening up in the fall, if I understand correctly? In the fall, there's a uh, new building called
3: Innovation Crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an educational center which is kind of the future of, of energy. So yeah. here we're dealing with the past energy, we're dealing with coal, we're mm-hmm. dealing with gold panning at the water wheel, uh, which you can probably hear in the background, mm-hmm. and uh, then that is going to deal with the future energy. Uh, it's got a really cool system of, of um, uh, there's blinds in the window that if it gets too hot in there, the blinds automatically come down and the roof vents open up to <laughs> get the air out. And the coolest thing for me is there's little tiny dots on the window so that the birds don't hit the window, because it's literally really? a wall of glass. Wow. It's some
0: new innovation that uh, somebody's Yeah.
3: A little tiny square on the window. Yeah. So the guest reflects back at the birds so that there's. So no they, know it's, like they know it's there.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite story you like to tell about this area? This area? Um, I like it when the kids
3: come into the mine and they see the coal face for the first time. like, wow, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And the kids at the water wheel. Um, I'll tell you, last week when it was thirty-five and thirty-six mm-hmm. degrees, it was a very nice place to stand. I it's bet. Too, it's coming up
0: uh, <laughs> I bet. Uh, Jim Heaton is with public programming with Heritage Park. Uh, thanks for doing the tour with us, and uh, thanks for your stories.
3: Okay, great. Thanks for being here. We enjoyed having you.
0: And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveller radio show, heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review, tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.